This is Jack Vecchio, and I am back with Season 5, Episode 7 of JV to the Pros. And we've got a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. You know, the interesting thing about this time of year is the NBA season and the NHL season seem to be in complete tandem. They start together, they finish together, they go into the playoffs together, and then there's all of a sudden a whole lot of sports going on while the NFL is taking a little bit of a vacation. Well, the NFL offseason has usually been this abyss, but this year the NHL and the NBA have provided nothing but great entertainment as... Let me just start with uh, the NHL playoffs, okay? The Bruins, the Bruins were obviously the number one seed because they broke the record for the most wins by any team in the regular season. The problem is the last two teams to have done that have found themselves not winning the Stanley Cup. They are the best team all season. They get into the playoffs, and somewhere in the playoffs, they get eliminated. The 94-95 Detroit Red Wings got eliminated after breaking the record of 62 wins in the regular season. Then the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning ties that record, and they get eliminated in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, I've made no bones about the fact that the Stanley Cup is absolutely the toughest championship to win in all of sports. I mean, I I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I mean, they make it like it's climbing Everest and you're not bringing any oxygen. Just go, go, go. So in the NHL, you got the Bruins and Panthers, okay? Now, yeah, the Bruins lead this series 3-1 to one, and they're on the verge of eliminating the Panthers. But now... They're going into Carolina, and that is a nasty place for visiting teams to play. They get into your head. They follow you to the hotel. They just inundate the the, the visiting team. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, Toronto is a city that I lived in, and the way baseball is just a part of the fabric of growing up in America, hockey is absolutely that equivalent in Canada. And in Toronto, it is mandatory. You have hockey skates, not ice skates, hockey skates. But the Maple Leafs haven't won the Stanley Cup in decades. And now the Maple Leafs are on the verge of eliminating the Tampa Bay Lightning as they are up 3-1, to one, but they're going into Tampa Bay. And they'll find out on the same day as the NFL draft whether or not the Lightning stay alive or if the Maple Leafs move on. Now, being a New Yorker, the big, big story as far as hockey in New York goes between the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers. And that series went into Madison Square Garden, and Madison Square Garden was home ice for the Rangers. And you would think, okay, all good, it's home ice for the Rangers. Well, Jersey came in and swept two. I mean, they, they swept two from um, from the Rangers in, in their home, on their home ice. So now that series is tied at two apiece. Now the Hurricanes, the Carolina Hurricanes, are going against that other team, from what they're calling Strong Island, Long Island Islanders. 
and they play at the Coliseum on Long Island, and the Islanders are trying to stay alive as they're down three to two, but the game is being played in the Nassau Coliseum, and we're going to find out whether or not the Islanders can turn around and win two and walk away by pushing the Hurricanes out of their way. Now, the Hurricanes are the number two seed, and the Islanders are the seventh seed, but that doesn't matter when it comes to Stanley Cup playoffs. It just doesn't matter. Remember that movie, Meatballs? Just doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. Okay, well, Islanders are at home, and um, they they won after being down 3-1. Now it's 3-2, and they're going to have to win two in a row. Now, the weird thing about in hockey, you could be up three-zip in a best-of-seven, and it's not unusual. It's not some unbelievable thing when one team comes back four in a row. I mean, it's hockey. Every game is individual, and there isn't that momentum that you find in baseball and football and, in part, in basketball. So the um, Golden Knights of Las Vegas are leading the series against the Jets. Not my Jets, the Winnipeg Jets. And um, and the Winnipeg Jets are down 3-1, to one, but they are hosting the Knights in Winnipeg to try to stay alive. They're going to need to win three in a row or they're going home. And the Golden Knights are the number one seed in the West, and they're looking to push the Jets out of the way and find out who between the Stars and Wild or the Oilers and Kings are going to be their next victim. Now, the Edmonton Oilers are leading the series against the LA Kings 3-2, to two, and the Kings are going to be hosting the Oilers in LA as the Oilers have taken the lead in what was a 2-2 Series tie is now 3-2 Oilers. So um, I'm getting I'm getting text messages as I'm wrapping up the um, hockey. I have a, a, a great guest coming on who is an NFL guru, and he knows everything that's going on with the draft. So I'm going to have him on in a moment as soon as I wrap up talking about what's going on in the uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, the Dallas Stars are leading against the Minnesota Wild 3-2. to two, And the Wild are going to be hosting Dallas to see if they can stay alive for two games in a row. And the Stars just got done clobbering the Wild 4-zip in Game 5. Now, in a best-of-seven ser uh, best series, I find that Game 5 is the most important if you haven't swept them by then. So in Game 5, the Stars won 4-zip, and that means the Wild haven't scored in about three days or four days. Okay, last, the recently crowned Avalanche as the Stanley Cup champions are going against the Seattle Kraken, and the Kraken have tied up that series at two, and they are going to be in Seattle to find out what the Avalanche has. Now, the Avalanche are a three seed, while the Kraken are the seven seed. So we're going to see what happens in that series. Like I said, game five is the most important game in a best of seven when both teams have a win under their belt. Okay, now I'm going to move on to... My huge honor, my guest. So I'm going to give my guest a really, really big intro because I have been waiting for weeks to get him on on my show. So 
You're going to hear him kick in in a couple of moments. But um, his name is Gerardo, and he is the Hello? genius of the NFL draft. Gerardo, is that you? Hey, I'm good, my man. First of all, I want to thank, I know how busy your schedule has been, and um, I have a whole intro ready for you, but um, but I wanted to, I wanted to first of all thank you because um, I know that we had some things come up yesterday. Um, you know, we were supposed to do this this interview yesterday, and we had some things that kind of blocked, but what a fluke, what a fluke that um, we didn't do that interview because... Like four or five hours after we would have done the show, was the big Aaron Rodgers news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so being a Jets fan, I'm like, okay, finally we got something to cheer about. But let me do your let me do your little intro because I want to let the I want to let the audience know that Gerardo happens to be one of the most incredibly furnished brains of the NFL draft. And I'm sure his phone is going to be lighting up tomorrow. So this time tomorrow, he will be in immense demand. But there we go. (laughs) You're being treated like a king. All right, I will stop that nonsense. Okay, I know you're. I know you're a humble guy, and that's not that's not really your thing. But but I was thinking, you know what? I I what? How many? How many? Was it been about a month or five weeks? I've been I've been wanting to get you on the show. Yeah, it's been about a month since that brain break. Uh, yeah. We so have. I appreciate. I really do appreciate your 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 time. I mean, I'm going to get you for about a um, about a half an hour. But I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about what your prediction and I like I, I texted you um, either yesterday or today I, I said um, I said you're going to be doing all the heavy lifting because this is your wheelhouse this is your thing you know and um, and I wanted to know first of all I got a question here um, Bryce Young now the 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 kick with Bryce Young is that he might be too small. Now I know Kyler Murray is a small guy, but I looked at Mac Jones, I looked at Zach Wilson, and I thought, you know what? I'm 62, 235 pounds, and I'm in really good shape, and I could hurt them. These guys are 22 and angry. <laughs> Bryce Young, Bryce Young looks like somebody. If I if I bumped into him in a revolving door, he might get stuck there. What do you think? I think he'll be just fine. I know. Um playing in SEC at Bama, you're facing, you know, the cream of the crop in defenses, and obviously he's not built to be like a Jalen Hurts type of quarterback and go, you know, run and get you a first down whenever. Um, you know, when Jalen Hurts can, Jalen Hurts is a big dude, squats like offensive line numbers, but um, what everyone says and what the conclusion is, he's just a smart dude that knows how to protect his body and not um, put himself in bad situations. So, um, you know, if the team around him is protecting him and doing um, their job. I think he'll do his due diligence and keep himself healthy as long as he can. But I don't see him failing in the NFL because he's undersized. I think he's been probably the best player in college football for the past two years. 
And, you know, doing it once, okay, but doing it twice and being productive, I don't think that's a fluke. And I think he's a smart enough player um, to know what his body can handle and know what situations are good and bad for him. So I think he'll be, you know, just fine as if the offensive line could protect him. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there saying, okay, in now I'm going to play devil's advocate here, okay? Um, one, yeah. one in 650 college players make it to the NFL, one in 650. And if he's playing at Alabama, which everyone knows, that's a football program. That that Alabama is amazing. I mean, I think more NFL players have come out of Alabama in the last 30 years than anywhere else. But you're still playing college ball. You know, you're still, like, I mean, I, I, I pitched Sunday. Um, you know, I play adult, tri- you know, AAA baseball, and I pitch for the Yankees. And I played against the Dodgers on Sunday, and yeah, I struck out five and six innings, and and I went four for four. And but you know, you got to keep your eye on the fact that this is not Major League Baseball anymore. I mean, although a lot of players in our league have played Major League ball, they just you know they just aged out on their contracts. So I mean, you met me. I'm not a small person, but I'm one of the smallest people. I'm one of the smallest people on my bench. <laughs> I mean, oh, wow. it's like the land of the giants in that in that dugout. But um, so I mean, I I gotta I gotta bring my A game, or I'm I'm gonna be pulled for somebody in the bullpen pretty quick. Um, but when I look at Bryce Young, I sit there and say, okay, he's doing very well. He's a big fish in a small pond. And let's face it, Alabama, Alabama gets some games that are stat games. I mean, they're games where they can go beat up on Appalachian State or something and. And you know, all of a sudden, run it up, and it's fifty-two to six. You know. Yeah, no, I hear it. He'll be out of the game by like the first quarter, maybe even right. the drive five. I mean, he really hasn't been challenged by NFL quality athletes. I mean, you know, and the other thing, you know, he's he's. They're saying he's five ten. Um, I happen to see a friend of mine at the combine that was there as a guest, and I know he's five ten. And he was taller than Bryce Young, <laughs> so Bryce Young might yeah, be—he might be a Stallone five ten. <laughs> yeah, I mean the college roster. College roster is doing played a lot. Um, I think the other exciting thing, or like what's exciting to GMs and coaches about Bryce Young, is just his decision making and knowledge of the game. I know you have other quarterbacks in the draft that are just freaks of nature, but there's questions about, you know, like Anthony Richardson, he started, what, 12, 13 games, what's the track record, what's the history? Um, Will Levis had a little bit of uh, reg- like a little bit of regression from his previous years, and I think Bryson's consistency is what has helped him this far in the draft, and probably will make him the number one pick, but you know, we won't know until he's hit from his blind side and see how he gets up, that's the thing. There, it, doesn't there it is. Him, but he will get sacked. And you're going to have to hope, you know, I mean, you're, you're a young, brilliant, brilliant guy, but you're way too young to remember Joe Theismann and Lawrence Taylor, right? I mean, I know Lawrence Taylor made a lot of teams value the left tackle and paid a lot of money. <laughs> well, you remember the movie The Blind Side? I do. Okay. That movie, that movie was based on Joe Theismann, right-handed quarterback, and Lawrence Taylor coming from his blind side, from his back, and Lawrence Taylor grabbed him, and on Monday Night Football, with some 180 million people watching, 
Joe Theismann's shin broke in the middle outward as Lawrence Taylor was pulling him down. His shin gave way in the middle of the shin and broke out of the leg while everyone watched. Yeah. And that was called, that became called the blind side after that because they realized if you got a right handed quarterback, a left tackle is really, really valuable. <laughs> Oh, you put a lot of faith into into your left tackle. That's that's a quarterback's best friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Um, um, just breaking away from the draft, we're going to get right back to it a second ago with this Aaron Rodgers huge news. I, I wasn't going to talk to you about it, but I know, I know, you and I discussed what was happening with Aaron Rodgers. And this has been going on for five weeks. And we kept thinking, is he going to sign? I don't know. What did we spend four or five days together? And, and we kept saying he didn't sign today and he's got a wish list and he's got this and he's got that. But the interesting thing is the jets have given up a lot of draft picks, but the first thing they're looking to do is, you know, um, um, back the left tackle for the jets. He's like oh, he's like for the, up, for the upcoming draft. You think for the Jets? The Jets look like they're going left tackle to protect Aaron Rodgers, because um, yeah. Let me see. I know they have Beckins at right tackle. I believe right. 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 And then the Jets. I know with the offensive tackles in the draft, you have you have Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, and he's just. I, a freak of nature, athletically wise. Um, everyone just loves what they see out of him. Um, you got the Northwestern guys, Skronsky, but um, I know everyone projects him more as he, as a interior guard, just because you know the arm length thing. But those Northwestern guys are always great offensive linemen. They're really smart. I mean, in the NFL, if they're an offensive lineman, that's probably the number one thing, just because you're not really um, displacing people in the NFL. You're just trying to create a little bit of movement, a little bit of a gap for your running back. So I think he'll be great. Um, I think if he – what pick did the Jets have again? 15. They, they, um, they wanted to jump – with the with the Packers on that whole deal, and they wanted to jump to thirteen to jump over the Patriots at fourteen, but um, the Packers, you know, their plan is to get Jordan Love real comfortable, so they're looking to draft as high as possible right out the gate. So the Jets will be drafting fifteenth. Yeah, I mean, you have that. You also have the Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones, and then you have. I've seen a lot of film on Darnell Wright, um, really advanced pass-setting stuff, really good moves. Um, there's a couple knocks on how he could anchor, but um, I really think this is a very strong offensive tackle class coming in. So I think a lot of these guys will be very good starters in the NFL. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny. Like, you, you took over things right there. And I had been telling people, wait, wait till you hear this guy. This guy seems to know everything about it. I don't know how some sort of NFL team didn't say, hey, you know what? You should be working for us and not giving out that information anymore. <laughs> you know? A little I mean, bit of watching, watching a lot of college football on Saturdays and saying, hey, that guy's pretty good. Let me look him up. <laughs> well, like when, 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 we were, when we were hanging out for the, you know, most of that week, um, you seem to be checking. I mean, I was having conversations with you, but you seem to be checking on guys that were making an impact, guys that look like 
they were going to be, you know, somebody to talk about in the draft. And I was sitting there going, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how much you know about how many players, because you probably do your homework on about 1,500 players when the draft is only, you know, 258, you know? Yeah. I mean... These NFL teams really do a deep dive on these players. They, They know everything about them. I just know what's on the surface level, but these NFL teams... They they know what you probably ate for breakfast in the sixth grade. They they know everything. <laughs> well, okay, so so I correct me if I'm wrong because I think I'm I'm doing this off the top of my head. I got Carolina as the first pick, and they're they're leaning toward Bryce. Yeah, I know a lot of people, given Frank Reich's history, are like, oh, he does not take like small quarterbacks like it's DJ Stroud. But um, I've heard some rumors that Bryce Young, after visiting with Carolina, like canceled all of his other visits, and um, everyone's under the impression that he's the number one pick. And I know there also is rumors that the, the coaching staff disagreed and wanted to go C.J. Stroud, but the GM and others involved with that decision are very pro-Bryce Young. So it looks like he'll go first, and then what happens after that is, I guess exciting, but yeah. Well, did you did you see uh, that kid Anthony? Um, was it Anthony? Is it Anthony Edwards? Um, Anthony uh, Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, that hit the roof. They threw a ball, yeah, he and is, that that roof is, is set up for he kickers. Tested out, he tested out of like out of out of his mind on the NFL draft. He is like a ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent how athlete like he is. I think he had the best broad jump and vertical um, jump in out of any quarterback it, since the, they started to, um, taking those measurements. Um, he's just another guy who's excites a lot of teams just with his pure athletic ability. Um, but yeah, him and Will Levis are like in that category of just freak NFL quarterbacks, like those big dudes, big strong dudes that just have a rocket for an arm. Yeah, and and I mean his. He was able to get his feet 49 inches off the ground. Now, think about that. You and I are about 72 inches off the ground if we're just standing there. 49 inches. <laughs> it means, yeah. it means they, they, he, could jump, he could just jump from a standing position and get his feet basically to our chest. Oh, no. That's, yeah, that's insane. I mean, have you also been keeping up with the... Um but I know they did the Wonderlick test in the past. Like you heard about the S two cognitive or cognition. Test yes, yeah. Now, 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 without without running rings around some of our listeners because I like to keep things kind of simple because I don't want people to feel intimidated when they listen to the show. But just spoon feed it and explain explain that to my listeners because some some won't have any idea what you're talking about. Okay, so yeah, it's basically just. Um, it's essentially like a test, right? The way they explain it, it's like a 30 to 40 minute test. And essentially it measures how fast you can make decisions given on like how you perceive or look at um, a formation. I know from the website, it just says like visual learning, distraction control, essentially how someone can focus and make a decision and how fast they can make it. Um, I don't know how accuracy plays a role in that, but then they, um, after this test, they say that your scores are not going to be leaked, but they all end up being leaked, um, which is funny in itself on how all of that stuff is leaked. But I know um, NFL teams just find, like, certain tests to, like, um, 
examine the minds of these prospects, and they're being they're told to take it with a grain of salt. But C.J. Stroud reportedly tested the lowest in the quarterback draft at eighteen percent, and that's all you find when you look up the S two tested. C.J. Stroud tested extremely low. Well, let me ask you something: if you're if you test really high. If you test really high, wouldn't you want that to be out there? Because I mean, that's money. It is. I mean, they um they also made sure to um leak that uh, Brock Purdy scored in the mid ninety five percentile as the you know literally um the last pick of last year's draft, and they're saying, hey, this guy tested really high. And I know the the founders and creators of this test that take everything with a grain of salt, but. Um, just for some background, another reason why Bryce Young is um, very highly touted. Um, he scored in the 98th percentile, which is number one. Um, Jake Hayner from Fresno State. I watched him play. He's. I think he'll be a great quarterback in the NFL. Well, I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have you. I'm gonna have you back on as we watch things unfold. I actually was thinking that we might want to talk about how the draft, what we're predicting, and how it actually goes. But here's my thing. When it, when you talk about Bryce Young, I know I know you're big on him. I know you are, but I also understand. I mean, I I, I played in um, the San Diego Turkey Bowl for many years until they finally retired it after the 50th anniversary. But I mean, we used to go out there, and some guys would be in the hospital, and we were aging athletes going out there playing. But by natural selection, nature, I look at I look at Bryce Young, and I say, okay, you know what? Um, if I'm in a bar and there's a problem, yeah, I'm, I, I don't, I don't think he would fare well. I mean, no matter how much athletic ability he's got. Now that, that test you were talking about, one of the tests that they do is they put you up on a wall and the wall has a whole bunch of the lights. I mean, you're familiar with this, right? And the lights go on randomly and you got to touch them literally before they go off. Light goes on you got to touch it because the light's going on, going off. And you got to get there as fast as you can and touch it before the light, actually, the illumination goes away. And I think there's a hundred touches, and they rate, that's part of that test. And I know they do that with baseball pitchers when, or, or with baseball players when a guy gets hit in the eye. They want to make sure that um, the optic nerve isn't traumatized to the point where it can't react fast enough. And... You look at these guys like Richardson. I looked at him the other day, and I thought, "Why isn't? I mean, why isn't Carolina sitting there saying Richardson's our guy? He's got size, he's got ability, and he just hit the roof of a building that's designed for kickers not to be able to reach." Um. Yeah. I mean, like you said, he is the guy when you look at athleticism. But I also take pro days, um, pro days with a grain of salt, too, because, um, I mean, Zach Wilson made that one throw in his pro day, and he was considered a guy that the Jets were willing to uh, take and take a risk on and move off of Sam Darnold. And me being an FC fan growing up, I've always been a Sam Darnold fan, and I was like, okay, we'll see how that goes for the Jets. And uh, <laughs> hasn't gone too well. But, you know, <laughs> Zach Wilson the best in all of his future career endeavors. Well, but he's in San Francisco think, now. He's uh, San Francisco also, picked him up. Go ahead. Say it again. I said go ahead. I, oh, I, I said San Francisco picked up Sam Darnold. Well, well, Trey yeah. Lance is healing, and 
you know, they obviously got him from Carolina. So Carolina's, they're all in for a quarterback as soon as the, the as soon as they're on the clock. But I don't understand why Carolina is not looking at Richardson instead of Bryce. Um, I mean, first things that come to mind, you you question the track record. Like he's only started what a year. You have a Eisen winner and Bryce Young. Um, I know touch was a thing of concern. I mean, we want your quarterbacks to have great touch. And there's concerns of if Richardson can just only sling it. I've seen plays where his arm is amazing, second to none. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Carolina wants to go with what they think is the most sure pick, and uh, you know maybe not want to take a risk on a guy with um, with Richardson, even though it might turn out fantastic. Um, there's also a higher chance that it won't in comparison to Bryce Young. So that's all stuff these teams have to weigh because if you have the first pick, you want to get it right. Yeah, you, I mean, <laughs> trust me, I'm a Jets fan. We've had that pick, and we've gotten it wrong, like, I think 15 years in a row. I mean, we even passed on Marino. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you're too young to remember that, but everybody was sitting there thinking, okay, he went to the University of Pittsburgh. He's in our backyard. He's Dan Marino. And, and instead, they went with Kenny O'Brien, because Kenny O'Brien went to the same school as Namath, and that was not a reason. <laughs> so I mean, there is no, there is no formula for the draft. I mean, you never know. I mean, look at Brady, 199th pick. I mean, and yeah. and if the Patriots don't take him at 199, Brady's painting bridges. I mean, he he's not yeah. in the NFL at all. It's all about fit too. I mean, for these guys, do you want to go to the right team? You can have all the talent in the world, but you just don't go to the right fit for the team as well, and that could just be detrimental, or it could be the best thing for your career. No, it's it's funny you say that because a friend of mine went to college at Notre Dame with Joe Joe Montana, and I actually I play tennis with this guy regularly, and and um, he told me a couple of stories. Um, you're familiar with the movie Rudy, right? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Rudy is a, one of the greatest. Football movies. Oh, you said Rudy. Yes, I am familiar okay. with the movie Rudy. Okay. What I didn't know was that Rudy, the actual person that the movie's based on, actually, Joe Montana realized that he did not have a great arm. And he realized that the probability of succeeding in the NFL was slim to none. And he was going to quit football for Notre Dame completely and go get an engineering degree and Rudy convinced him to continue and see how things shake up with the draft and it turns out now you talk about fate playing a, a you know like really giving you a good hand of cards it turns out Joe Montana's arm although not the greatest in the world was exactly the same speed as Jerry Rice's legs wow yeah, you know, you talk about it. You talk about a marriage, right? I mean, Joe Montana, when he went to Kansas City, he was not nearly the quarterback he was with Steve Young hanging over his shoulder. But Joe Montana almost walked away from it all because he realized his arm was. He goes to San Francisco and he throws it as hard as he can, and Jerry Rice can catch it. And he's like, oh, wait, <laughs> this might work out. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a true story. It's like, it's like you just you just don't know. Now Joe Montana goes to Detroit. 
Joe Montana goes to Dallas, yeah, he's a bust. He goes to San Diego, yeah. he's a bust. Now, let's move on now. Now, obviously, the Texans are going to be looking for a quarterback. And I'm assuming Richardson is the guy, right? I mean, you're pretty hard on Richardson, aren't you? You, you? you like this guy a lot. I like I like his size. I think he looks like he can take a shot. The other thing, um, as you know, I've been a you know bodybuilder my whole life, and I look at his core. I look at his muscles around his ribs and his abs, and I think, okay, this guy's put in the work. You know, somebody turns around and and gets a midsection after he's released, he can take a hit and he's going to be padded. But I look at I look at Bryce and I think I I could break him in half. Yeah, I mean, so what's your opinion on Will Lovis then too? If if since he's another big strong dude, you you feel the same about him? Like yes, yes. I think I think football is not one of those great equalizers. Like yeah, Kyler Murray. Exception to the rule. If there's a rule, there's got to be an exception. Kyler Murray has has been very impressive, and I did not think he would do great. I thought he'd be middle of the road, and he's done great. And he, I mean, that one play last year, he kept alive for 23 seconds. 23 seconds he scrambled, and then finally just ran it in for a touchdown. I was like, how did he just do oh, that? <laughs> but, I mean, I Kyler Murray... Baseball pass too. He's just another freak athlete type of guy. Freak, freak athlete, right? But but with football, you know, you're dealing with like in the '80s, a good sized linebacker was six four two sixty five. Now you got guys that are two seventy five two eighty five, and they're faster than the guys were in the '80s. They're running four eight four nine forties. Yeah, I, I I definitely could see Houston going with the quarterback. Obviously, if Bryce is off the board, you have C.J. Stroud, who is considered the best pocket-passing quarterback in this draft. Or they take the risk and they say, hey, this guy, Anthony Richardson, he is everything that you that you can't teach, and we can teach him everything else. Like, you can't teach his size, you can't teach his athletic ability, you can't teach that arm. But um, there also is, and I'm also playing devil's advocate with myself, there also is the other side of this where, they think Will Anderson, that defensive end out of Alabama, is just the best player in this draft altogether. And they say, hey, what's another year of you know mediocrity, maybe getting the first pick next year for Caleb Williams out of USC. So there is the world where Houston doesn't fall in love with the quarterback or isn't like so high on one that they just go with a, a defensive end like Will Anderson or maybe a Jalen Carter type of guy. But I do see... Um, I also can't see a world where they say, you know, these quarterbacks are great. I don't want to miss out on one of them either. Well, this is not a very deep quarterback draft. I mean, it's not the 1983 draft, which is way before your time. But the 83 quarterback draft was, you know, Elway and Marino and, I mean, all these, I mean, Jim Kelly. I mean, it, it was all these magnificent Hall of Fame quarterbacks that, um that the 83 draft had. And then you look, there's been a couple of drafts. Um, there was a draft a couple of years ago that was completely a quarterback draft. And this year, I would think, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you are the guru of this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of your wingman, but I'm thinking there's four, maybe five really good quarterbacks in this draft. Am I right or wrong? No, you're right. I mean, you have, 
you have Young, you have Stroud, you have Richardson, you have uh, Levis, and um, some teams are high on uh, Jake Hayner. I think you have the TCU quarterback, but I think in the core you really have around four to five guys that are actually intriguing teams um, a lot. So yeah, yeah, but that's it. Out of out of the two hundred and fifty eight picks, there's going to be there's going to be five, and those five teams that grab a quarterback, they better pick well. And what I um, what I saw when Zach Wilson got picked is I was, I mean, you could ask my wife, I was yelling at the TV for Justin Fields. Like I wanted, I mean, I was like, Justin Fields, that's the guy for the Jets. And Chicago ends up getting him. And I was like, how could they have gone with, with, with this kid that looks like he's in middle school? I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, I like I like a big. Are, are you familiar with Chris Schreveler, the backup quarterback with the Jets? No, I'm not. He's exactly my time as well. Exactly the size of of Josh Allen, with the same attitude. He likes okay. to he likes to run into people, likes to run over them. He's got the same speed, but the Jets are not going to start him, especially now with Aaron Rodgers in town. But um, the Jets are not going to start him. But he's a great backup. And he's oh, a he's yeah. a he's an absolute beast. Well, yeah, you wonder how many hits, and I've said that about Josh Allen. I'm like, how many, how many of those hits can he take? Because I know, um, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, um, we're playing baseball game, and one of my teammates went into first, and he made that last stride, kind of like Bo Jackson when he blew out his hip flexor, and okay. stepped on first. And his femur and hip broke simultaneously. Wow! Right. I mean, I mean, he looked all disfigured. I mean, he looked he, he looked contorted. You can see stuff point pushing out on his uniform, and and I thought, okay, as an athlete, you're sliding into bases, you have collisions, you have all sorts of stuff that goes on in the field. You're going to get fractures. You're not even going to know are there. And yeah. you know. When you got guys like Josh Allen and Chris Schreveler running into linebackers and their whole job is to hit and hurt, I look at it and I say, okay, there's going to be little bone chips. There's going to be little fractures. There's going to be little stuff where the scar tissue hasn't gotten a chance to build back up. And sooner or later, something's going to break. The dam is going to break. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's something that no one uh, um, like. No one on the Bills is happy or advocating for Josh Allen to take those hits. I think, you know, as his, as his career goes on, if he really wants to lengthen it out, you really have to minimize those and just slide. Or if it's, you know, fourth and one, if you're like, make it like a situational thing where it's like, I need the extra yard. But don't just do it on a random, like, you know, second quarter play and just say, you know, I'm doing this because I know I can. Because even if you can, like you said, down the line, you're going to pay for that hit. Yeah, plus plus teams have a Jerome Bettis-type guy. You hand the ball to him. I mean, you remember the refrigerator, Perry? You hand the ball to him. He's good for three feet. If you need third and one, get a guy back there, give him the ball. And, you know, remember Seattle, you know, had the beast? Just just hand him the ball. He can get three feet with a head of steam. Oh, yeah. You know, you and I are pretty Even big if, guys. We could, we, they hand the ball to us. We can get two of those feet. I 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't yeah. want to play. I wouldn't want to play football with you. Wildcat <laughs> formation. Like get a, get them an extra blocker and just me, you know go at it. So let me let me because I I'm I'm enjoying talking to you so much. I you know we're getting we're get we get we. You and I can go on and on. I can I could tell that like people listening are going to be like, well, you know what? This is a wealth of information. But let's let's buzz through. So you got the Cardinals, obviously not looking for a quarterback because they got Kyler. Um, you got the Colts, who are probably in the market for a lot of parts. You know, especially after losing Rivers yeah. and They're, they might go quarterback there. I think they will. I, I think, think so. There's not a world unless Will Anderson flips to four. I think the Colts go quarterback. Like you said, it could be Will Levis, it could be um, Anthony Richardson, or if if you're ta- if the Texans take Anthony Richardson at two, the Colts could take C.J. Stroud here if he falls to them. So yeah. I think Colts go quarterback unless unless Will Anderson's available. And Seattle has my old quarterback Geno Smith that used to be a punchline on late night talk shows, and now Geno Smith is like a Pro Bowler in Seattle and actually beat Russell Wilson head-to-head last year. So Seattle's not looking for a quarterback. Seattle's looking for some other parts, maybe to protect them, because Geno yeah. seemed to be on the run. Yeah, you could go offensive tackle here. You also could go Jalen Carter, who was thought to be the number one pick until all that uh, drama happened and, the, you know, all that stuff. So, well, no, no, don't, um, just, don't, do, don't, do, don't just say all that stuff, because, you know, frankly, we are, we are the information center. So just kind of... Give me the Reader's Digest version as these are the cliff notes and tell the audience what all that stuff was. Um, yeah, so if I am knowing this correctly, um, he, um, unfortunately, one of the Georgia offensive linemen passed away. Um, I don't want to get my story mixed up, but there was um, a situation where Carter was in a bad situation, um, car racing, and, um, you know, that most likely led to the accident where um, two people passed. And then that happened, and then the other knock, that was like a character thing for a lot of teams, but the other knock was he showed up to his pro day overweight, and a lot of people see that as a job interview. So, I mean, I wouldn't come talk to you not, you know, brushing up on some information, you know, having being prepared to have a good conversation. Fair but, enough, you know, fair teams enough. Look that, teams look at that, and he's just like, he's out of shape, so that's another... Um, red flag, but what's really carrying him at this point is just the track record, how great he can be. I think he could be a fantastic NFL player, so that's what a lot of teams hope that he turns into if when he's drafted. Fair enough. Now that's that. You know what? I mean, let's. Well, again, I I don't even know. You might be too young. Well, you know who Randy Moss is, obviously. You know who Randy Moss is. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, Randy Moss in that 1998 draft had a domestic violence thing with his girlfriend and apparently it wasn't the first time the police were called and he actually had gotten detained and arrested and Randy Moss went from maybe a top two or three pick and he kept dropping and I watched that draft unfold and Moss's value his stock just kept going down because something like this could be really costly not only you know, in the public eye, in the in the eye of the fans, but you know, people people look at those situations that if you're not mature enough to know not to go racing at 100 miles an hour, if you're not mature enough to know you don't put your hands on your woman, 
you know, you're you're probably not mature enough to play this game and be responsible after the game and when you're going out to clubs and that kind of thing. So Randy Moss dropped and dropped and dropped, and finally Minnesota took a chance on him, and um, and Chris Carter took him under his wing and did his best to straighten him out. But Randy was in a he was in a bad place, and he ended up being a Hall of Famer. I mean, he turned it around. Yeah. That's something that you just, I mean, you wish the best for Jalen Carter and whoever, whoever he's drafted to is able to um, make sure his focus is on football and not really much anything else. So, yeah, we'll see. Like, like we mentioned earlier, it's just, it just matters a lot where you're drafted to. Okay, let's, let's go here. Now, obviously, Carr is in New Orleans, and the Raiders are, you know, shopping, right? My Raiders, oh my, my Raiders. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to call them yeah, your Raiders yeah. just yet, but yeah, your Raiders. <laughs> yeah, um, I see them. I mean, a lot of a lot of mocks have them taking Christian Gonzalez, the the DV out of Oregon. But me being a big offensive line guy myself, um, if no one's off the board yet for offensive tackle. I think they probably go Paris Johnson here, um, or they could go Peter Skronsky out of out of Northwestern. I think you really can't mess with either of those two. But you got Colton Miller, who solidified that that spot left tackle for them, and they basically sold house on the rest of the offensive line. Like Rodney Hudson, he went to the card like they, you know, the Cardinal, and you know they really need to solidify that right side. I so I definitely could see them going with an offensive lineman here. What are you hoping? Yeah, it's your Raiders. What are you hoping for? Um, solidified offensive line. Jimmy G, very serviceable quarterback. I think um, a need right now is really to bolster that offensive line, and I think this is a good spot too. Um, you also need help in a lot of other areas too, but I think you could really um, make the smart decision and draft for those other positions later in the draft, unless they really love Christian Gonzalez as the as a defensive back, I think they should go with an offensive tackle here. Okay. All right. Now, now I'm going to break some bad news to you. The Jets are now, as far as Vegas goes, are the number three favorite, now that Aaron Rodgers has signed, to, to, to go to the Super Bowl. Okay? Yeah. That said, have you looked at your schedule for this season for the Raiders? I do believe we have the Jets on the schedule. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> are we are, are we at that or where is this game being played? <laughs> I think the game is being played in Vegas, but um, when when that when that happened, um, this is what you heard in New York. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I'll be, I'll be chirping you. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a chat after that game, but the game is in Vegas, but, um, but I mean, you know, offensive player of the year in Garrett Wilson, defensive player of the year in Sauce Gardner. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about my Jets better than I have in a long time, better than I did in 09 and 10 with that Jets team. And that Jets team was, that defense was pretty good. But now it seems like we got both sides of the ball covered. But the Jets, I'm going to say it, have been snake bitten. Every single time it looks like we're good to go, 
98, we're at the AFC Championship game. We're up 10-0 on Denver. And the ball gets caught in the wind on the second half kick to us. And and the guy receiving the ball runs away from it like it's a punt. And it becomes an onside kick. And they, and they score 23 unanswered and send us home. So the Jets are snake bitten. But um getting getting back getting back to the to the draft, um uh who do you see Chicago pulling? Chicago. Um I think you also have to go offensive line. So I Denver, think so too. Justin Fields guy. I think that's your guy. He's proven that he could he can do it. Um he also was <laughs> I think he was the most sacked guy last year. Um I would really see them here going um, you know, if Skaronsky or Paris Johnson's available, they'll go with those two. But if they're off the board, um, you could go Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. Um, I know uh, Broderick Jones out of Georgia is also a very highly touted offensive tackle. So you could what? go with um, out of those four. I think the Bears have a lot of talent to pick from. I think with I think when you look at with Detroit with Goff in place, I think Detroit's the only threat of taking that offensive lineman. You know, and stepping in front of the Raiders and stealing a good offensive lineman. Everybody else on the board seems to have a different agenda. So I think by the time they get to the Bears, I mean, you know, the Bears should be pretty safe. They'll have one of two choices, and one of those choices may be taken, but they'll have the other. I mean, the Bears will have themselves. An, I mean, if they make the right move, which I think they will, it'll be a, it'll be a lineman. It'll be a lineman. Obviously, yeah. obviously the Eagles are not looking for a quarterback. They just handed <laughs> they just handed the Brinks truck to Hertz at fifty one million dollars a year and a contract that's worth hundred and eighty million dollars guaranteed. Yeah. I know um, <laughs> it's always a good idea to protect the guy that you're handing hundreds of millions of dollars to. So um, if one of those premier offensive linemen are still available, I mean, having more offensive line power can't hurt. But I think they really got defensive line here. Um, I know Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech is seen as like a, an Anthony Richardson-esque type of player, which he's just a freak athlete. Um, but I know the DM from Iowa, Lucas Van Ness, is very highly touted too. And like we said, if what happens to Randy Moss happens to Jalen Carter and he falls, maybe the Eagles take a chance on him. But I think it's going to be um, in the trenches where they carry their defense and offense. Here's, here's the thing. I think I think the Eagles got nothing to lose by taking a chance because they're already built for a, a championship. They're, the team is already in place. If they happen to get another part that improves and shores them up a little better, great. If not, they're still the same team as last year. They've lost nobody. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think I think Philadelphia would be the team to take a risk because it really isn't a risk. I mean, if it doesn't work out, you send the guy home. You know, you, all you ask him is, if does he want a window or an aisle seat? And you know, Just put him on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, they can afford to take that risk. Right now, let's let's move down now. Minnesota, Minnesota had their heart broken against the Giants. The Giants came into Minnesota and just broke their hearts because I mean, Cousins should have been able to take apart Jones, no problem, and instead, Jones he brought his A game like he's never done before and showed up Minnesota in their own building. Yeah, um, I mean they're they're late in the first round. They have the twenty third pick. 
Yeah, 23rd oh. pick. Boy, look at you. You're amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, 23rd pick. Yeah, I mean, I I may or may not have a screen up of the draft order. I, I have it up. I have it up. But, uh, but I thought you'd get that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I mean, another quarterback that we haven't talked about is Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Like, if Minnesota wants to move off Kirk Cousins, um, I think he's the type of quarterback who's older in this draft and could be more ready to step in midway through the season if they're not liking what what the production is out of him. But if they're in a position where they don't like anyone that's left at quarterback, um, they could go out of re- a weapon at receiver or they could go show up their, def- um, their DBs because I know that's an area of weakness for them too. Well, here's the, here's the way I look at Minnesota. I think, first of all, um, from watching the interviews with ownership after the loss in the playoffs against the Giants, um, and then and then the head coach, I think, and my impression was that they're married to Cousins, and they've got a backup. But I think they're married to this guy. I think I think at least for the next season, Cousins the guy. And frankly, I think Cousins got three or four really productive years in front of him. Yeah. So, so I think, I think Minnesota is staying where they're at, and I think they might be another team willing to take a bit of a chance because they're already built for, they're already built to win. I mean, they won that yeah, division. They marched through. They had home field advantage, and yeah, you know, they ate a turd sandwich. I mean, you know, against a Giants team that should not have beaten them, but you know, then. The Giants head coach becomes coach of the year, you know. Yeah. So, right. I mean, you know, most of my family are Giants fans. You know, my wife and I are Jets fans, but most of my family they're Giants fans, and and they were real proud of the fact that that guy. They felt like he did a superior job at 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 the head coach spot. Okay, Cowboys have been a perpetual disappointment since 1995. Again, way before you came around. <laughs> now, what do you think the Cowboys are going to need? Because they just paid Ezekiel I a think, bunch of money. I think, um, yeah, I think they're fun at running back. They have Pilar. I know they love him. Um, I, we haven't talked about the tight ends yet in this draft class, and I know they're very strong. I think the Dallas goes with the tight end here. So do I. Um, so do I. I think that I think they need I a guy think, like uh, Moose. The most sure pick is uh, Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame. Everyone says he's polished. He's the most pro ready guy. Um, you also have the other freaks like Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. They say that his route running is like Travis Kelsey esque in how he's able to run his routes, and then you have the. The freak out of Georgia, the freak of nature, uh, Darnell Washington. But I really think it's between Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid, Kincaid. for a draft. I think yeah, I think I there. think Dallas and Kincaid. I think Kincaid is like uh, you remember Moose Johnston. No, I do not. Good, because that means you're young. Um, Moose Johnston was with those championship teams. And every time he caught the ball, it sounded like the fans were booing, but they were chanting, Moose, Moose. And Moose is now um, a broadcaster on Fox for mostly the Dallas games. So you see him on Sunday, Moose Johnston, and he was 
tough to bring down. He was Gronkowski to bring down. So, um, but but I think Kincaid would be a good fit in Dallas. I think he'd I think he'd get along with Jerry. I think he'd be just fine. I'm not crazy about McCarthy as the head coach. I think he makes I think he makes some foolish decisions. I think the the Cowboys after the failure again this year. I think the Cowboys should have been looking for a head coach. Yeah, they definitely have found stability in many positions lately, even though with how much talent they've had on those rosters in the past. Right. Right. But, I mean, do you, do, would you, would you, if you're Jerry Jones, would you have shown McCarthy the door? Uh, I mean, who's available, you know? I mean, it depends on who's out there. Um, I, I don't honestly give a lot of attention to the Cowboys like most of NFL fans that aren't Cowboy fans. Um, but honestly, if they're not able to do something with this roster this upcoming year, something needs to be addressed because they always have a great roster in place. So, well, they've just not right. they've just the handed Dak. They just handed Dak with, uh, with management, or if it's with the with, with the coaching staff, something's just not right. See, just between you and me and everyone listening, I I think the problem is McCarthy. I don't think he's. I don't think he's the same coach as he was in Green Bay. I don't. I just don't think he's a good fit in Dallas. I think he'd be a good fit in Jacksonville. I don't think he'd be a good fit. I don't think he's a good fit where he is. I also don't think he handles the you, pressure of Dallas very well. Do you think Dallas needs a new uppity young offensive guru coach? Here's what I think Dallas needs. I think Dallas needs a young Mike Ditka. You know, somebody who's just not going to take any crap. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody who's just yeah. going to be an alpha force on the sidelines. And referees and assistant coaches and players and players' families, everyone's afraid of them. <laughs> yeah. That's what Dallas needs. They need somebody who's going to just beat the hell out of everybody. Nice. You know, okay. Dallas. Dallas is Dallas is kind of a um, in a cush spot. They're revered and adored and admired by everybody in that area. And frankly, twenty five percent of all football fans are Dallas Cowboys fans. They have the biggest. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, yeah. Beloved. But but they they're beloved. Yes, but that doesn't translate into winning. Obviously, I mean, we're twenty five years since the last time they won. So, and I'm not rooting for him this year. I can tell you that. Um, real quick, um, Buffalo. What do you think Buffalo needs, if anything? Um, shoot. Let's see. I mean, they've been trying to figure out the running game for. I mean, if you if you're you have your top choice at a running back, and none of them's gone yet. You want to have a strong running game, so that's not on Josh Allen's mind whatsoever. Uh, but you also could get a surefire number two uh, receiver as well, or they could go into your offensive line. But I think Buffalo goes with the running back here. So you think Buffalo needs a running back? Yeah, I don't know if they're willing to spend the twenty seventh pick on it, but um, I think given the way the offense is constructed, and it could also benefit Josh Allen's play. So I think Buffalo could go running back here at twenty-seven. Okay, um, you know that um, you know that um, 
Now it's, it's I'm drawing a blank. The, the kid that had the heart attack on the field. Lamar Hamlin. Hamlin, yes. Has been cleared for OTAs. Yeah, that is... I mean, what happened to him is just, like, the most freak accident that could happen. I know it It goes down to, like, the millisecond of when you, that hit to when his heart was contracting. Right. And those are just normal, everyday hits in the NFL. But, I mean, there's, um, like, there's, like, new regulations. I found this from a friend of mine who's a lacrosse goalie. But lacrosse? even implemented, like, new chest pads, too, to prevent stuff like that from happening. Because apparently stuff like that does happen. Like, you get hit in that chest area, and the heart's contracting like that, and it's simultaneously at the same time. Like, that's that's what happens. So... You know, it's it's uh, funny. It's funny because I told you that, you know, I, for years and years I played in the San Diego Turkey Bowl, and there was one time where I got hit, and it just felt like somebody unplugged the TV. And... Yeah. I got up a few minutes later, and I mean, my friend Jim and everybody, they just said, you just laid there. And I wondered, when I saw the Hamlin thing, I thought, wow, I wonder if that was that that millisecond where I may have gotten hit just right at the time that the heart was contracted. Like, like it takes so many things to fall into place, and then you've got to get hit just right. Yeah, no, yeah. It's definitely like a... The race, the, the probability of that is insanely low, but unfortunately for him, he was that like point minuscule percentage that yeah. happened. Well, he will be back this season. He's he's at you know he's in off season training activities with the um with the team OTAs. He's there, so um you know everyone all eyes will be on him game one. I can tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be a good story. Hopefully, he's able to play well in that, this upcoming season. Can you can you say Hollywood movie? Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. Like or something yeah, like that. it'll be a nice little documentary about <laughs> the, the career of Demar Hamlin. Yeah. Now let me ask you: last uh, the Super Bowl champion, reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Is there anything they yeah, need? Go ahead. I said, is there anything they need? Ah, the Chiefs. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has shown that he does not, uh, he can do it all. I mean, I think what they could do here is bulk up the offensive line. I mean, it's pretty cliche if I'm an offensive line guy myself to say that, but I think in this draft they either do um, their first pick, I think they definitely um take an offensive lineman and i know there like there's a lot of talk about osiris torrance out of uh florida he's an interior guy so i know they have the offensive tackles figured out but i think they go interior offensive line help or i think um they sure up their secondary as well but i think it's probably interior offensive line now, don't, don't you don't you think they're yet another team that kind of you know they could take a chance in the draft and if it doesn't work out they're fine yeah, yeah. When you, whenever you have Patrick Mahomes, you're always going to be um, in contention for the Super Bowl. Lucky for my Raiders, when when he uh, when he came onto the scene, I was like, "Well, there goes the next ten to fifteen years." Of my <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, 
Well, I'll tell you what. I'll check back in. I'll check back in when I'm thirty. <laughs> Here's the deal. Um, I'll, I'll have a, I'll, I'll have a short chat with you if you want, if you have time, because I know, I know how in demand you are, but if you have time, uh, we'll try to set up a short, short chat for, um, next week's show as the draft, uh, take a look back and see how right we were. And you know what? I'm not even going to say we, how right you were, because you probably got everything right. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, you know, you, you seem to. Like, you would be great in any of those war rooms. I mean, they would be lucky to have you there because you just seem to know exactly which button to push. But I, I want to I thank the great Gerardo for being on, being on the show. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you to, to text me some sort of a, a picture of you because I, I should have taken one while we were hanging out for that week. But um, I want to, when we do our Facebook page, um, my producer is my wife and it's producer Karen from Queens, New York. We call her the Queen of Queens. And she would like to have a picture to be able to put on the Facebook page so people can put a face to the genius. Of course, yeah. I'll make sure to send the text over to you. Um, thank you for having me. It was a great talk, and I look forward to uh, uh, reviewing our uh, the draft next week. We'll definitely get something set up. Yeah, let's slot off some time and let's do it. Okay, Gerardo? Sounds good. All, All right, right, man. Thanks, thank Jack. you, thank you so very much for coming on. Okay do you do you want your do you want your exit music? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. You know what song that is? <laughs> no. It's Stars and Stripes Forever. I mean, everybody has heard it, but uh, nobody really knows what uh, it is. Stars and Stripes that, Forever. Say it again. I had the music on kind of loud. <laughs> I said, uh, that'll be my theme song from now on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got a theme song, and it came from JV to the pros. All right, my friend. Yeah. Listen, I'll be in touch with you, and we'll slot off some time, and I'll grab you for 10 or 15 minutes, because this was supposed to be 35 minutes. It was like an hour. <laughs> like, we were just having so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, uh, I'm, I, live by, I live by Claremont in San Diego, and you live by the Claremont in which there's no I in Claremont. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, again, Jack. All right, yeah. buddy. Take care. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, that was the great Gerardo, who knows everything about everything to do with the NFL draft and college players and who's getting drafted where and what teams need what. I mean, oh, anyway, I know the show is going a little long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift gears and we're going to talk a little bit um, about the um, NBA um, what's been going on with the Knicks, who have finally become significant in New York. Once again, the Knicks are about to eliminate the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're going to have to do it in Cleveland. Anyway, um, let me bring you up to speed, because the most interesting series going on right now in the East, obviously, is the the number one seed, Bucks who are going against the 8-seed Heat. And the Heat are about to eliminate 
the defending champion number one seed Bucks as the Heat are up three to one. And this would be, I think, the first time an eight seed beat the number one seed in the first round. So that is actually, that game is about to get underway. And I don't know who I'm rooting for in that, but that is certainly an interesting game. I already talked to you about the fact that the Knicks are leading the Cavaliers 3-1. to one. They should be able to end this thing pretty quickly. Um, the Sixers eliminated the Brooklyn Nets. Now, for the first time in history, you know, a little plug to hometown New York, it was the first time in which all of the New York NBA teams and all of the New York NHL teams, including Jersey, were all in the playoffs at the same time. The Sabres, the Devils, the Rangers, then you had the Nets and the Knicks all in the playoffs at the same time because those those two leagues have their seasons go in tandem. So the Sixers very good team, may win it all, beat the Nets right out of the building, sweeping them 4-0, and now the Sixers are going to be the number three seed and well-rested as they go into the next round. Um, The Boston Celtics are up on the Atlanta Hawks, and the Hawks just beat the Celtics in a buzzer beater from half court to make the series a 3-2 series and send this series back to Atlanta. I'm impressed. When I look back at this guy and he just set back, took a step back, and took a shot, the buzzer went off, ball was in the air, and swish. I mean, that's ice going through your veins. Okay, the number one Denver Nuggets in the West eliminated the Timberwolves 4-1. to So the Nuggets are going to not only be the number one seed, but they're going to get a chance to rest, waiting to find out Who's coming out? Now the Suns eliminated the Clippers, and the Clippers were haggled by injury. Um, Kawhi Leonard was down. It was just a mess. And they ended up beating um, the Timberwolves 112-109 and won the series 4-1. to um, The Suns knocked the Clippers out of, uh, um, out of, the, um, out of the playoffs 4-1. to beating them 136-130 to put an end to that. That was the game I was talking about with Kawhi Leonard and his teammate both being injured and not really playing that much down the stretch. And then they get into the playoffs and Kawhi and the gang just couldn't seem to get healthy enough to put up a fight against the Suns. The most intriguing matchup is in Northern California, and that's the Sacramento Kings against the Golden State Warriors. That series is a tug-of-war. It's tied at two, and they're about to get underway. The Warriors are slightly favored, but this is a coin toss game. And it's, I mean, even with Stephon Curry, it's still a really interesting matchup. So we're going to see if the Kings can turn around and hold their own and provide an upset. The Grizzlies against the Lakers. The Lakers with LeBron are leading the Grizzlies 3-1, to and they're about to get underway in L.A., and we're going to find out if the Lakers can advance. And if, if LeBron went to Miami, won a few championships there, went back to his hometown of Cleveland, won a championship there, goes to L.A., if he wins a championship in L.A., I'm sorry, Michael Jordan, you're going to have to step to one side. There is a new king of basketball because this guy, if he wins in L.A., he is the greatest 
basketball player that ever lived. Okay, you are up to speed on what's going on with the NBA. Now, let's get to the baseball standings. Now, the Twins playing about 500 ball, but still leading that division, even though there isn't really a challenge in that division because everybody else is under 500. So the Twins are 14 and 11, and they're two games over the Guardians, horribly named Guardians. And um, that's the end of that. I'm going to just leave that central division alone. Um, the Yankees in the East have been having a tough time dealing with Tampa Bay, who came out of the gate winning like their first 13 games in a row. And now Tampa Bay is 20-4. and four. Baltimore, another shocker, 16-8. and eight. Toronto, 16-9. and nine. And the Yankees, 14-11. and 11. Now keep that in mind because the Twins are leading their division at 14-11. and 11. With 14 wins, 11 losses, they are leading that division. But the East is a different beast. And the Yankees are in fourth place with a record of 14-11. and 11. All right, let me go to the AL West. Texas is up by a game over Houston. Houston, the defending champions, are a game back at 13-11, and 11, while Texas is at 14-10. and 10. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, not Los Angeles, in Orange County, blah, 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 500 ball. And Seattle and Oakland are playing sub-500 ball. In the National League East, Atlanta, 16-8, and eight, respectable. They're leading the, a the NL East, while the Mets, whose owner has spent like a billion dollars, is in second place with a record of 14-10. and 10. I think the baseball gods will level things out, and I think the Mets will take that division because they're a better team than Atlanta, and I think they've got a bigger bench. Everybody else in the East is 500 or less. Now, here is the big shocker. Here's the big shocker of the baseball world. The team that used to be the doormat of the Central, Pittsburgh, jumped out to a 16-7 and record. They are now 16-8, and and they are in a virtual tie with Milwaukee for the NL Central. The Cubs are doing respectably, 13-9. and they're two games back. This division looks like it's going to be a horse race for the whole season. And that's interesting because it's good to see Pittsburgh doing well. I, I like Pittsburgh. I like that they're a small market. I like that they've had talent for years. I don't like the fact that they couldn't seem to find themselves in the playoffs. So congratulations to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay, finally, in the West. The NL West, the Dodgers are in a tie with Arizona. Arizona wasn't expected to do anything this year, and they are in a tie with Arizona because of percentage points. The Padres, who were one of the last teams standing last year, they were one of the last four teams and were expected to probably win the West this year. They're in third place with a sub-500 record. San Francisco sub-500, Colorado, I don't even want to talk about it. So that's the end of that for the NL West. Um... I want to talk to you briefly about the fact that um, we lost a great entertainer this past week. We lost Harry Belafonte, born Harold George Belafonte, 
1927, died this week at the age of 96. He started his career in singing, went on to stage and film. He starred opposite John Travolta in White Man's Burden, and he appeared in hundreds and hundreds of TV shows and films and did cameos. This was a, an American treasure. Harry Belafonte was absolutely one of the great activists who did it right. He did it with respect. He did it with knowledge, knowing that the people now are not responsible for what happened in the 1800s and the first half of the 1900s. He understood that these are not the people that caused these trials and tribulations on black people. And he dealt with that and balanced his attitude with wanting change and he wanted change in a civil manner. This was a gentleman with integrity. This was a man who was respected and adored, and he will be sorely missed. Harry Belafonte, gone at the age of 96. Okay, that is the end of the NFL draft, the NHL, the NBA, and my... Super duper guest, Gerardo, who knows everything about everything when it comes to sports, especially about the NFL and college players. He could have, Gerardo could have been on the show another two hours talking about the potential of different players from different colleges all over the country. That guy is an amazing, amazing mind when it comes to sports. And I don't even want to get into the fact that that he's a brilliant businessman on top of that. I mean, this guy, he's got all the parts. So, Gerardo, there's your song. All right, my man. I want to thank you very much for being a guest on the show. I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys about um, Rob Van Dam, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion has a CBD oil that you can get online at rvdcbd.com. And if you put JV to the pros in the promotion line, you'll get at least 10% off your next purchase. And I can tell you that I, I pitched on Sunday as a starter. I went four for four at the plate and I had five strikeouts and I was a little sore. And then the next morning, foolishly, went and played three sets of tennis and one of my knees was letting me know that's a bit too much. So Rob Van Dam's CBD oil, rvdcbd.com, will help you the way it helped me. So you go online to rvdcbd.com and put JV to the pros in the promotion box, and you will get at least 10% off of your next purchase. Okay, I'm Jack Vecchio, and this is Season 5, Episode 7 of JV to the Pros. I'm going to thank you, the listeners. I want to thank Gerardo for bringing his brilliance onto the show. I want to thank the Queen of Queens for producing the show. When I get done doing all this, she puts it together and puts a bow on it and releases it to the world. So the Queen of Queens, Karen, who produces a great show every every week that I do it, and I want to thank her. I want to thank our sponsors, Rob Van Dam's CBD Oil. I also want to thank 
Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer. If you have a business, a company, corporation, and you're under attack for any reason, you call Paul Sorrentino at Jackson Lewis, 619-573-4900, and you ask for Paul Sorrentino, the employer lawyer. Okay, that is our show. I'm going to be signing off shortly as soon as I find my music because I had Gerardo's music ready to go. All right, we are ready to close out the show. Bye-bye.